Well, today we're going to continue in the series on the Ten Commandments. We're going to be on the Third Commandment. I took a little bit of a took a little bit of a hiatus last week. We deviated uh, uh, a little bit, but we're going to get back on track with the Third Commandment today. And uh, there's there's a lot that really can be said about this commandment about not taking the name of the Lord in vain. At first blush, it doesn't seem like there's a lot there, but there there really is. And uh, if you look at the outline on the back of your bulletin, uh, you can see that it's it's a it's a little it's a little deeper than usual. When I say deeper, I don't necessarily mean intellectually. I mean I, there's just there's just a, a, a lot more there. Uh, I'm not going to be able to go deeply in any one of those points. But there's just, a, there's just a lot here that we can talk about. This sermon may feel a little more teachy than preachy. I don't know which one you prefer, but, um, but we're just going to work through some of these things today that I think are going to help us in uh, the use of our words. It has been said that the pen is mightier than the sword. Y'all have ever heard that phrase? Yeah, it's not in the Bible. Um, it's one of those things that maybe, uh, that, that maybe we say. But the Bible has a lot to say about the power of our words, even though it doesn't use that phrase specifically. The Bible teaches us that we have a great responsibility in how we use our words. For example, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. I dare say that if you think about maybe that some of the things that you have said, maybe even today, I bet you would say, you know what, maybe I haven't done anything today that I shouldn't do, but it's quite possible that maybe you have said something today that you would say, you know, I didn't really do that in the name of the Lord Jesus. I think that sometimes we follow this command well, and other times we don't. I think that sometimes we find that uh, we use our words appropriately or restrain our words appropriately, and then sometimes we find that we don't do too very good of a job. In fact, just about a week ago, I was in a situation where I was at a gas station. Uh, a lot of us have been spending a, a lot of time and a lot of money at gas stations these days, uh, but I was in a gas station. And uh, there was one of the gas trucks that was there that was pumping gas into the ground, you know, so that the, uh, so that the pumps would work appropriately. And evidently, I missed uh, a cone or something, and I ventured into an area at that gas station around that truck that I should not be in. And the driver of that truck, he was small, but let me tell you what, he was wound tight. He came out, and I mean with all the vibrato that a man has inside of him, he blasted me. Uh, he let me know in no uncertain terms that I shouldn't be in that area and that I should get out. I mean, he raised his voice, and uh, he did everything but use expletives at me. But I mean, he got after me good. Now, man, you tell me, what do you typically do in a situation like that? Huh? You snap back, you bow up. I mean, guess what? I didn't do that. I, I, I stayed calm. I didn't say anything back. I thought, it's going to take more than that to hurt my feelings. I didn't bow up on the inside. I didn't bow up on the outside. I just kind of went about my day. And you know what? I felt so good about myself. 
I was like, I did so well in that situation. I even went home and I bragged to Kelly. I said, honey, guess what happened? And I said, you know what I said? Nothing. I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. I, was, I felt so good about myself for restraining my words until two days later. Two days later, I'm sitting in my office here at the church. I'm working on the computer, and I get a telephone call. And it's a collection agency. Are you kidding me? I've never had a collection agency call me. It turns out it was over a very minuscule amount, and I was so offended. I just couldn't believe it. And I got on, I talked to the other person on the other side of that line who was just doing their job. And I mean, I, I mustered up maybe not all the vibrato that exists inside of a man, but a little bit, and I just kind of snapped back, and I kind of said a few things, and I expressed, you know, um, how I was a little bit offended, and da-da-da-da-da, I don't remember what all I said, really. And I hung up the phone, and again, I felt a sense of pride, and then I turned back to my computer, and I continued to work on this sermon. And I felt God laughing at me, just like you just did. I felt the Lord laughing at me, saying, uh-huh, you're writing a sermon about controlling your words, and then you, you, you let go of your words, not even thinking about it, and you turn right back to work on the sermon. I was like, Lord, please don't make me preach this sermon. <laughs> like, I don't need to be the one to do this. I think all of us could say uh, there have been times that we've been really good in the use of our words, and there have been times that we've been really bad in the use of our words. God calls us to use our words responsibly, appropriately, gracefully, truthfully, and also with restraint. And here's the thing. If we didn't have God's Word, His words, to guide us in how we use our words, then we would just be like toddlers fumbling around with a loaded gun. Or as James chapter 2 says, flamethrowers. We would just set the world on fire with how we use our words without God's words to guide us. And this is really important, if for no other reason, because of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. This is a scary verse. Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. You want to give an account for the, all the things that you've said today? You want to give an account for all the things that you've said yesterday, this week, in the past month? I think, that, uh, I think that that verse causes us a little bit of pause to say, Okay, God, you have something to say about the things that we have to say and how we say them. And while there is much that the Bible teaches about how we use our words with each other, today's message specifically about this third commandment, is about how we use our words as it is related to God. Because after all, the foundation of our relationships with other people is based upon our relationship with God. If we have a relationship with God that is loving and kind and accepting, then that's going to translate into others. If we use words of worship with God, appropriate words, truthful words, then that is, going to, that, that is going to spill over in how we use our words with other people.
people. God, uh, God has much to say about how we use words. These words that we use should be worshipful. And the foundational principle for how we use our words is the third commandment that we're going to look at today. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You could probably quote it by heart. It says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I believe that God has the right to uh, protect the use of his powerful name. I mean, you probably feel the same way about your name. You don't want someone out there using your name in a way that is vain or is untruthful or is not correct or right. Well, it's the same way with God. God's name means more than your name or my name or anybody else's name. And he wants to preserve the use of his name for, for the purposes uh, that he has for us and for the world. Now, this command specifically prohibits using God's name in vain. I think it would maybe be a little easier for us, a little simpler for us, if God would have de defined for us uh, in, in this command what he meant by that. But I believe that we can take the sum total of Scripture and understand what God means by this when we look at all that the Bible says about this. So a definition of vain, by the way, is uh, to use words that are worthless or empty or false. That, that's, uh, that's the meaning of vain. Uh, something is vain if it is worthless, if it is empty, or if it is false. And so we're going to look at Scripture today and see some ways that we could use God's name in a worthless way. We're going to look at some examples of how we use God's name in an empty way. And then we're going to look at some ways how we use God's name in a false way. I believe that Jesus perfectly modeled for us how to use God's name when he gave us the model prayer. He said, uh, when you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's saying we use God's name with respect, we use God's name with reverence, and we use God's name with awe. So anytime we invoke God's name, whether the name of the Lord or whether we use Jesus' name, we're going to include Jesus' name in this, Anytime that we use God's name in any way within corporate worship, within our private conversations with God, or within conversations with each other, whether it be other Christians or non-Christians, in those contexts specifically, we have to be sure that we use God's name appropriately. So in worship, uh, a corporate worship with each other, private worship in us conversing with God, and uh, out in public whenever we're talking about God or in private conversations as we talk about God. These are the three primary ways, uh, the primary context that we're going to look at using God's name. But there's three primary ways that we misuse God's name. Uh, the first one is going to be easy. Uh, we misuse God's name when we have worthless words, okay? Worthless words. Uh, this is probably the most, most well-known way uh, where we attach the name of God with another word or words that are profane. 
Uh, I won't give you the example that comes immediately to your mind because obviously that would not be appropriate, but we're using God's name by attaching it to a curse word. That is obviously inappropriate. We know that that would be a misuse uh, of God's name and a violation of the third commandment. However, I also believe that when when we use the name of God, uh, whether we say the, the Lord or whether we use the name of Jesus, and we use it in a trivial way, even if it isn't profane, using God's name in a trivial way, I believe also violates the third commandment not to use the Lord's name in vain. So uh, here's the examples that I feel comfortable putting on the screen. Obviously, there's others that I wouldn't. But, you know, we, these are phrases that we use, you know, like, you know, Lord have mercy. Listen, it's easier if you just say, law, right? That way you don't have to use God's name. And if you don't know what that means, just find a good southern woman and she will explain to you the appropriate context and use of law. See, there's no D on the end. There's a, there's a, there's a W in there somewhere. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, there's other ways that we also kind of use the name of Jesus or God's name when we're surprised or excited. I really don't think that we should do that. I think it trivializes God's name because there's, there's really nothing worshipful about these words. And there's nothing spiritual about these words either. I, I just think that we should that we should probably we should probably not use these words uh, at all. Now, even though this is probably and 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 the worst example that I won't uh, speak or put on the screen, th- these are probably the most the, the the easiest way for we to say, okay, well that's taking God's name in vain. That that's violating the the third command. You know these worthless words. I don't believe that this is the most common way that we take the name of the Lord in vain. It's not the most common way. I think the most common way that we take God's name in vain is by using words that are empty. It is attaching God's name in our conversations, commitments, prayers, and praises in ways that they're just, they're just empty. It's whenever we use words about Him or we, we use words to Him that are hollow and they're void of any true intention. There's not something wrong with the words per se as it is with the heart and the intention behind the use of the words. Let me explain what I mean by that. We take the Lord's name in vain when we use empty words through empty commitments. Empty commitments. We say things like, Lord, I promise. And it's like we make a commitment to God, but it's really an empty commitment. We may, we may have an intention of, uh, of keeping it. We may not. It's just words. There's not really any true heart intention to back it up. This is swearing to God in the truest sense, where we make a promise or we make a commitment or we vow something or we swear to do something to God and we don't follow through with it. Now listen, we serve a God of promises, right? We serve a God that makes promises, but he keeps those promises. And that's supposed to be true for us as well. 
I don't believe that you should ever swear to God to someone else. You, shouldn't have to, you should not have to do that. Now listen, we can debate about in a court of law and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to get into all of that about whether you should swear an oath in court, whatever. Place your hand on the Bible. I'm not, gonna, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in your daily conversation where you're talking to people, you're making promises, you're making commitments, and you say, I swear to God that I'm going to do this. I just don't think you should do that. I think you're, you're taking God's name in a trivial way. Jesus said, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. And certainly when we say to God that we promise something, we should follow through on those promises. So we take God's name in vain through empty words when we have empty commitments, but also when we have empty prayers. Empty prayers are one of the ways that we take God's name in vain all the time. When we uh, have prayers that are empty by being showy or being repetitive or being misguided, this is a way that we take the name of the Lord in vain. Uh, Jesus warned against this, uh, these prayers, prayers for show. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, he says, Look, listen, when you pray, don't be like hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. And why do they love it? That they may be seen by others. In other words, they're, they're just prayers for show. They're empty of a true heart that wants to communicate and commune with God. They're just, they're just a showy prayer. And so we've got to be careful about this uh, flashy language, you know, just trying to, you know, sound spiritual. It's not truly worshipful. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with public prayer. There's nothing wrong with writing out a prayer that sounds good, that leads people in true worship. Listen, if you have a, a, a wide vocabulary, there's nothing wrong with using that uh, in your prayer. If you've memorized a lot of scriptures, nothing wrong with that. Jesus just basically warned us to be careful about having empty prayers that are just for show. Also, we take God's name in vain when we have empty prayers and empty words that they're just repetitive. They're just repetitive. We use God's name in prayer, and it's just repetitive. Jesus also warned against this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. He says, when you pray, you must not heap up empty phrases, empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard by their many words. Now, this is good news. You don't have to have long prayers. Jesus says you're not going to be heard just because you use many words. You don't, have, you don't have to have long prayers. A lot of people, and this is not a sermon about prayer, but I hear a lot of people that struggle with this. They say, well, I can only pray for five or ten minutes. It's not the length of the prayer. It's the heart of the prayer and the content of the prayer that matters. Jesus says it doesn't need to be um, empty and repetitive. As Protestants, sometimes we look at Catholics and we look at their Hail Mary prayers Y'all know what a Hail Mary is, right? It's, no, it's not when the quarterback throws a bomb in the last five seconds of a football game. A Hail Mary is an actual prayer. Um, and uh, the Catholic tradition of Christians, they, uh, they, they will say certain Hail Marys, and it's like, a, it's like a repetitive prayer that they repeat over and over. But l listen, Protestants sometimes do this too with the Lord's Prayer. Like they just repeat the Lord's Prayer not even really being familiar with what the prayer is actually 
modeling for us uh, to pray. So we've got to be careful about these repetitive prayers because they could just, they could just become empty. Um, I, listen, I would say the same thing uh, about mealtime prayers. Mealtime prayers. If you don't have a thankful heart, your mealtime prayer doesn't really mean anything. You know, if you just have a bless this meat, let's eat, you know, kind of repetitive type prayer that you do, oh, let's, 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 let's say a blessing. Uh, no, let's, let's say thank you to Jesus. Let's, let's, have, let's, have, let's, let's, say, let's have thankful hearts for what God has done for us and, 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 and pray. Uh, pray over every meal. Pray over every blessing. Pray over every potato chip. If, uh, if, that's, if that's what you feel led to do. But you need to make sure it's not just a repetitive prayer. You need to make sure that it is a true prayer that represents a thankfulness that you have in your heart. Uh, bedtime prayers are the, are the same way. Uh, as Christian parents, I know that all of you, you pray with your kids uh, at bedtime. you got to be very careful that it's not just repetitive, it's not just showy, and it's not just routine. It needs to, it needs to teach a true heart for prayer. So do these prayers. These prayers are good. Praying in public, praying with your kids, praying at bedtime, praying over meals, all of these are good. They do, we just need to make sure that they're not just for show and they're not repetitive, that there's a, a true heart, that they're not empty, that they're not hollow. Uh, and then there can be misguided prayers. Misguided prayers um, are also very dangerous. Sometimes we think that, well, if I just speak the name of Jesus over at the end of my prayer as if it's just a punctuation mark, a hashtag, uh, at the end of my prayer, uh, well, then God hears it. And we, I, I, we have to be really careful about that. I mean, how many of you were, how many of you were taught uh, to, uh, to not just end your prayer with amen, but you end your prayer with in Jesus' name? How many of you were taught to do that? How many of you pray that way? I mean, I know that I do. I, I just can't help it. I mean, I was just, I was just taught to do that. Uh, sometimes I might even say, I might not say amen, but I'm probably always going to say in Jesus' name. Not because it's some magical incantation, like there's something superstitious that I use the name of Jesus and now God hears me. No, it's a reminder to me that I need to make sure that I'm praying a prayer that Jesus would pray. The Bible says he's in heaven interceding for me. What is he saying? What is Jesus praying to God the Father right now in this situation that I'm in? I want to pray that prayer, and that's how we pray in Jesus' name. We pray the content that Jesus would pray. We pray his will. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. And so we don't want to pray prayers that are misguided. We want to pray for Jesus' glory. And then just let me add quickly, I also believe um, that we can have, uh, uh, that th there can be an emptiness in our words whenever we sing and whenever we praise. You know, we so show up to church and we have words on a screen. And uh, by the way, uh, Pastor Andy works really hard to make sure that those words that you sing on that screen represent the truth of Scripture that are about the gospel, they're about Jesus, that they're biblical. We've got to be really careful that we don't just sit there and my, 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 just kind of mouth those words and they not have any true meaning. That We've got to make sure that our praise to God is not empty, that we just set these words to music and they don't really represent our heart. Uh, Amos chapter, uh, he said something about this. Amos chapter 5 verse 22 through verse 23, um, God told his people at one time, he said, look, 
just take that noise away. I don't want to hear your songs. Uh, take those instruments, just get them away. They, it just means nothing because there was an emptiness behind it. Uh, Jesus also said the same thing in Matthew chapter 15. He said, well, did Isaiah prophesy about you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And look what he says, in vain, worthless, empty, falsely, in vain do they worship me. And it's like there's, there's, it's, not, it's not real because it's just on their lips. It's not in their heart. So we have to be sure that we don't use God's name in vain by using words and singing and praising and praying and t- talking about God, all of these things, by just being empty and showy. Um, that, I believe, is one of the most common ways that we take the name of the Lord in vain. Is if we take his name, but there's just emptiness in our hearts, it's, it's void of true intention. And then this last one, this last category. So there were worthless words, there were empty words, and now we're going to look at false words. This is quite possibly the worst possible way that we can use God's name. When we use his name falsely, we say things about him or we say things that he has said that he hasn't said or we say untrue things about him or we misquote him. False words can never be worshipful. Empty words can be. If I have a prayer that is showy or repetitive or redundant or is misguided, it's not that there's something wrong with the words that I'm saying. I just need to fill my heart up with true intention, and then those empty words become true words. They become words that represent my heart. So empty words can can be changed. False words False words can never be worshipful because there's something wrong with what is actually being said. And these are false prophecy, false doctrine, false pronouncements, and false professions. I'll just mention these uh, very quickly. False prophecy is something that we see in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they didn't really have God's Word in print like we do. They would have prophets. God would speak to them, and then the prophets would come, and they would say, Thus saith the Lord. Now, some of you who don't have King James, you don't say, thus saith the Lord. You would just say, God said. Here's what God has said, all right? Um, uh, and, and in Scripture, in the Old Testament, there were some pretty strict punishment for a prophet if he falsely proclaimed something that God hasn't actually told him. So that is, that is false prophecy. If anyone comes up to you and says they are a prophet, uh, run. If you go to a church and someone takes the title of prophet, run. Uh, God has given us everything he needs for us to know in his word. There is nothing else that you need. God doesn't need to give you any other speech. Listen, you don't need any additional truth than what God has already provided for us in his written word in scripture. You don't need anything else. And so when someone comes with a prophecy that has God has said something and it's not in his word, that is false prophecy. 
Uh, but now we do have to think about, okay, well, what if someone comes up to me and says, here's what God's Word says? Um, there is the possibility for false doctrine. Certainly we should tell people what God has said. Certainly we should tell people what God's Word has said. But we have to be very careful that when we say that, that we don't say anything that contradicts what God's Word actually says. Now, what we're not talking about here is someone saying things by mistake or someone who is learning and growing, speaking something in error. That happens all the time. I know that I do that. I'm quite confident that I do that even on Sunday mornings when I try so very hard not to say anything that contradicts what God has already spoken. I know that I'm going to say things, you're going to say things, we're all going to say things sometimes that we got a little bit off track, that was a mistake, that was an error. And then we correct ourselves. False doctrine happens in a completely different way. False doctrine happens when you have someone who actually studies Scripture and they come up with an opinion that is contrary to what's stated there. We see false doctrine all the time. Um, and and th this category is so big, I, there's no way I could list off all of the false doctrines and false teachings that are out there. But there are a lot of them. So you have to be careful about that. And then there's false pronouncements. I think we do this all the time. A false pronouncement would be you saying, God told me, to do something. We do that all the time. Okay, I, I, I say that. A lot of times, I, you've probably heard me say that. I feel like the Lord lead me to do this. I feel like the Lord's calling us to do this. You, you, you'll say that. I feel like the Lord's telling me to take this job or do this or do that. I will say that we also need to be very, very careful by making pronouncements and using God's name. If someone is saying this all the time, like all the time, you know, God told me to do this. God told me to buy a pink car. God told me to paint my hair red. God told me to, you know, buy that house. God told, God told me, I mean, God told me to buy those tennis shoes. You know, God told me to date this person. God told me to break up with this person. You know, God told me to give this money. God told me to spend this money. God told me this, I mean, we just have to be real careful that we're not always saying, God told me, because you say that long enough and people are going to think that you think you're God. I mean, it just could be your overdone potato from the night before. You just don't know. I mean, you could just have an upset stomach. You could just be having a bad day. Maybe someone pulled out in front of you and made you mad, and then all of a sudden God told you to ram them from behind. I mean, who knows? Um, but it could just be your emotions. It could, there's, so be careful with that word. Make sure that when you say, God told me, God leading, you don't want to, you don't want to Jesus juke people. You know what a Jesus juke is, right? It's someone that's trying to justify their actions, and you're arguing with them and telling them, I don't think that's the right way. And they say, well, God told me. Oh, so that's the, that's the trump card. That's the Jesus juke. God told me, and so now you can't say anything because I just used God's name, and now you can't argue with him because God told me to do it, right? Uh, Y'all ever, ever talk to people like that before? It's like you're trying, to, you're trying to show them, hey, you don't need to do that. You don't need to go down that path. You don't need to make that decision and say, well, God told me. And so, oh, okay. 
So well, since God told you, <laughs> we have to be really careful that we don't use God's name as some defense mechanism so that people will leave us alone or to justify something that we really want to do that God hasn't told us to do. So be careful with that phrase. This last one, false professions, false professions. This is, this, I've said this before, uh, this, is the, this is the scariest verse in the whole Bible. There are people that claim and say and speak that Jesus is Lord that don't really belong to Christ. There are people that are doing things, maybe even miraculous things, in the name of Jesus, and they don't really know him. That's what Jesus, Jesus gives us these verses. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through verse 23. Not everyone who says, look at what they say. They say, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who says that is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will I believe that's the day of judgment. Many will say to me, Lord, we prophesied in your name. I think Jesus would say, you did it in a vain way. They will say, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We did many mighty works in your name. What Jesus said in verse 23, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There, there is such thing as a false profession. There is such thing as saying you're a Christian and you're really not. I mean, people do this all the time. You, you can, these days, you can say all kinds of things about who you are and how you identify, and it's not true. And people do this all the time with, with Christianity. They say, I'm a Christian. Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. I'm going to heaven. And it's, and it's a, a false pronouncement. It's a, it's a, false, it's a false profession. And we've got to be real careful that this does not happen. We have to pray and seek the Lord and make sure, do I really belong to the Lord? Or have I been praying vain prayers? Have I been, I've been singing vain songs? Have, have I been attending church all these years in a vain way? I mean, we have, to, we have to make sure that our worship of God, our words of worship are really true. And you know, the first words of worship you will ever use, the first words of worship that you will ever use is whenever you confess Jesus is Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. This is the first truly worshipful thing. If you've been saved, if you've been saved, this is the first truly worshipful thing you ever uttered. The first worshipful thing, truly worshipful thing that you ever spoke was whenever you said Jesus is Lord because it wasn't done in a vain way. It wasn't done in a worthless way. It wasn't done in an empty way. It wasn't done in a false way. You did it, you said it, and you meant it. It was real and it was true. And you confessed with your mouth and you believed in your heart. See, that's why it wasn't empty because you meant it. It was true. And as a result, you're changed. You're a different person now. You live for Christ. You're doing the will of the Father. This is the first word of worship you ever uttered. Jesus is Lord. And this is, this is why we ask people to repeat it whenever they're baptized. Because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. We ask, we ask people just to give that word of worship, that word of faith. Jesus is Lord. I mean, we don't know if you really mean it or not. We can't really see in your heart. We can hear it with our ears. We can hear your proclamation. And only you know if it's really true. 
Do you know that one day everyone's going to say it? One day every tongue is going to confess. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to be saved. But one day even those that have rejected him, even those that have, even those that have crucified, everybody. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 through 11, one day every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Don't wait until the day of judgment to confess him as Lord. It'll be too late. It'll be too late on the day of judgment. There are no second chances. That's one of those false doctrines, by the way, that's out there. There's no second chances. There's no such thing as universalism. Don't wait until the day of judgment whenever you have to, whenever you are forced to bow the knee and confess him as Lord. The Bible says that, you, that, that, that today is the day of salvation, that you need to confess Jesus as Lord right now. Maybe that's never happened in your heart. Maybe you would say, man, I, I've been taking the Lord's name in vain. Not that I've been cursing, but I've been taking the Lord's name in vain in a lot of ways in my life. And maybe the profession, the very first word that you ever spoke that you thought was there, maybe it wasn't true in your life. I want to give you an opportunity to make that true as we bow our heads and as we close our eyes. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and pray. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, I hope that in your heart the Holy Spirit will work and you'll confess Him as Lord and Savior today. That you will speak a word of worship in your heart that will flow through your lips in a prayer to God and that you'll be saved today. For the rest of us, maybe we need to take stock of how we've been using our words before God. Maybe the Lord has shown you something today that you need to pray about. Maybe your prayers have been showy and repetitive and misguided. Maybe you've been using some of those phrases, some of those worthless phrases that I put on the screen, and you would say, you know what, I need to stop doing that. However, you need to talk to the Lord today. I hope that you'll do that. Just pray to him right now, and then Andy will lead us in a song.